I'm Stephen Adams. This is Down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. Just beware, I'm in a public place today. So there could be ambient noise, there could be music, there could be people talking. So just be aware of that. Uh, and also with me today, I've got my good friend, Michele Barra, back from vacation. Michele, what's up? I'm back. Well, not not back from vacation. I'm still in vacation, but back on the pod. Yes, back. Oh, I didn't I... realize you were still there. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Um, I'm standing in the camping lot where I, ha- where I rented a, a house, basically a cottage, whatever you want to call it. And it's... It's crazy hot. I have no place to record, so I'm outside as well, uh, sweating. And um, but for the rest, Sicily is great. I am very fat after <laughs> ten days here because food is awesome, and I can I can't really contain myself when food is very good. Um, What's the best thing you've had? Yeah. Uh, say again. What's the best food you've had? The best. Yeah. I mean, it was probably. I'm not saying this because you discussed sorbet, which in Italian we pronounce sorbetto, and here they call granita, which is basically ice melted with fruit. Mm-hmm. But the, we have like a fruit that is called fico d'India. I, don't, I, I have no idea about the translation. It's basically uh, a plant that has um, uh, uh, that grows only in very hot places and mm-hmm. it has these orange fruits. Um, and melted with, with ice, it's something poetic. I mean, I never had something like that. Uh, and I don't know. Something that you cannot taste anywhere else, and Sicily is great. Wow. That sounds great. And I, I feel, yeah. je- I feel, I will, I will feel jealous of the, you. I will look up the fruit, and then I'll, I'll tweet about it. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Uh, okay. We've got some questions from some listeners, which is awesome you guys always provide great questions i thought first though we could touch on the article that brett dawson wrote uh of the athletic if you're not subscribed to the athletic you need to go subscribe even just to read this article because it's that good where brett breaks down shay's training this offseason which includes uh an interview with his trainer it includes uh some quotes from chris paul uh, what are what are some what are some of your main takeaways from that article? I mean, I love the way Brett and the trainer discussed the well, the trainer discussed the training when you when your legs are dead. Yeah, I mean, and, and the way he goes at it, it seems like a guy who enjoy the hard work. I mean, people don't realize how hard. Well, may, many people does, but many people do but it's it's very hard to train like the entire day and then train again mm-hmm. and then be like when your leg do not respond uh, do not respond to your to your command and you still have to go through training and and also the part where he's focusing on very precise stuff it's not like yeah i will do a bunch of things like here and there no it's specific reads specific stuff that he wants to do. 
um, the part about about the shot is is good. I mean, it it it's hard uh, to to read this and not being extremely excited mm-hmm. for next season and see whatever comes out of Shea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it really is. And his his trainer's name is Olin Simplis. Yeah, and they call him the Guard Whisperer, and he was, you know. Helping a workout, helping do a workout with Shay, and then Chris Paul was there too, and Chris had nothing but glowing things to say about yeah. him as well, which gets yeah. you really excited. I mean, and you see, there's a, a photo that was posted of them working out together, and you see like how much taller Shay is than Chris Paul, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is already like a, a big advantage for him. But the fact that he says things about Shay that like he's got the mindset of a superstar and the guys that are that really make it like this is who this guy is and Chris says this guy is really effing good and he's like while I'm yeah. here let me see if I can help his process and yeah. you're just like wow like that's that's a big deal that's a big deal for for this franchise for this for this team this year because I think a lot of times you think about the Thunder currently, and you think about Chris Paul, you think about Steven Adams, you think about Gallinari, and the truth is that Shea could end up being the best player on this team faster than we think. Yeah, there was a point where his trainer said something like, we know that Chris is, is here, but we are not deferring too much. Mm-hmm. Like, it sounded, those were not the exact words, but it, it seems like, yeah, we know that Chris is there, but the face of the franchise, the guy who wants the ball in, in his hands is Shea. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think Chris Paul could respect because, I mean, maybe he will stay, maybe not. Um, but it's something that you really want from your point guard. You don't want a guy that is passive and... And you want a guy that knows how to play. And it seems that Shea has these two features. Um, and, I mean, it's this article shows that shows to you that uh, the, base, the basic stuff for having a very bright future in OKC are there. He will put in the work. And then, hopefully, things will grow around him uh, in the way we, we all hope. Yeah. Yeah, it says... Uh that he's comfortable shooting uh, off the ball and playing off the ball, you know, next to Chris. But he also says, we don't want him deferring. We don't want any yeah. internal issues, but we don't want him deferring either. You are, to yeah. me, the guy, the face of the franchise at the moment. That's what we're building you to be. And it seems like him yeah. and Chris have really good synergy. And so, I don't know. Like, I've always just thought, like, well, what they can get out of Shea this year is great if they can kind of develop him a little bit. But he's, I think there's more than meets the eye with Shea Gilders Alexander. And I'm excited yeah. to kind of see what that turns out to be uh, for him and for this team and, and, and kind of what his role will be. Because I think you, you think about his rookie season with the Clippers, and there were so many guys that needed shots. Like for most of the year, it was Gallinari, Tobias Harris, and Lou Williams that were taking a majority of the shots. Those guys are going to take. A majority of the shots on the team and Shea yeah. fit in he eventually got a starting position and he held it and then when they traded 
Tobias Harris, everybody thought, oh, well, this team is going to not be as good. They're not going to make the playoffs. And they did. And they were actually pretty good. And Shea was a yeah. part of that because he could step up and take on a little bit more than, than he was. And now he's in a situation where he's going to take on even more because Chris Paul's not going to be a guy that's going to take a ton of shots. Steven Adams not going to take a ton of shots. Gallinari is not going to take probably more than 14 or 15 shots. And so that leaves you with a guy like Shea, who who maybe could lead this team in shot attempts if he's pushed to. And I'm just I'm I'm interested. I'm very interested to see. They talked about him taking shots off the dribble, taking threes off the dribble in particular, navigating yeah, the pick and roll. <clears throat> I do too. I think to me that over the next several years, I think that's what we need to watch for the most. Because, and I talked about this on the pod last week, to me that's the difference between Shea being like a great player and probably you know, making an all-star team a few times or being like a superstar is if he can consistently hit a three off the dribble. Yeah, I mean, we, we see that nowadays in the league. If you don't have a three-point shot off the pick and roll, then the pick and roll becomes... Uh, different kind of scheme a scheme where you don't have such an advantage you have to guard players with range and with ability of pulling up in a second in a split of a second in a different way you really have to uh, there you cannot guard a player like Damian Lillard the way you guard any other player playing the pick and roll not even Paul George has that kind of release he can shoot out of a of a pick and roll set but it's not the same if you are a ball ender and you can really push the ball into a shot um, in quickly and with range then it changed the equation completely and I think that with a with a body like that with the ability of playing defense I saw that already I mean the ability is there the consistency we have to see it but once you play high level defense against Steph Curry and okay defense following Clay Thompson through screens, it means that it is there. Mm -hmm. The consistency, yeah, we have to see. The three-point shot is something uh, that we we still have to see. If it's there, then you're right. I mean, the making of an all-star, maybe a superstar are there. Yeah. But it's tough. I mean, it's not not something that you can say, yeah, well, he will do that. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm hopeful, but it's something, it's one of the most difficult stuff to do on an NBA court. There's no doubt. It's what makes those guys special. It's what makes those guys yeah. consistent all-stars. And if he has it, I think that gives OKC a, a clear advantage with their starting point guard moving forward. If not, like he's still a good player. He's still going to be able to create. Oh, yeah. He's still going to be able to play high-level defense. I mean, he's he's still going to be a good player. But we're, we're talking about, like, do they have, like, a foundational piece or like the foundational piece and I think like that's kind of a question um, the question that you're asking because I think that he is clearly a foundational piece for this team yeah so uh, okay you know what you you should have done in Italy right now Michele is have a photographer come take pictures of your family and uh, the, yeah. the photographer that you uh, should hire is Peyton Marie. It's Peyton Marie Photography. That's PeytonMarie.com, at Peyton Marie Photo on Instagram. you got to go follow her on Instagram. She's got a great 
uh, giveaway going on right now, and she's always posting great photos. So she's an Oklahoma-based wedding photographer, and her main goal is to capture authentic emotion and unforgettable moments through bold and creative images. Her photo style is non-traditional, genuine, and a little bit out of the box. She believes that your photos should be a true reflection of who you are and that your wedding photos shouldn't be like anyone else's. She's based in OKC, but she's willing to travel, like I said, to even Sicily to see the beautiful beaches and take a picture of, uh, of you guys at, at the beach hanging out. So she would love uh, for you guys to give her a call. You can contact her on Instagram. You can contact her on her website. And if you mention to her that you found out about her photography business on Down to Dunk, she'll give you 10% off if you are doing a session or a wedding in 2019. So please support the people that support Down to Dunk and go to PeytonMarie.com and follow her on Instagram at PeytonMariePhoto. Okay, Kelly. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, 10% out of a wedding is a big deal. It's a giant chunk. It's very, yeah, should, it's very generous. So you better t- take advantage of that for real. I mean, yeah. that's no joke. Uh, okay, question from at Michael Clampett. Uh, he said he'd love to hear a breakdown on some concepts for good guard defense, uh, sort of in the same format uh, of your passing tutorial last summer. He said it's such a nebulous aspect of the game, but amazing to watch when you know what to look for. Oh boy, where to start? This is a question that I, I read yesterday, um, and I kind of tried to think about it during the day. And it's—I spoke many times with many NBA people, including our friend Fred Katz, about defense and about um, a possible metric that includes everything and or or a specific aspect. In any case, something that tells you. A is a good defender, B it's not. And it's incredibly different uh, from centers to guards. So let's stick, as the question is, to guards. Um, and this aspect of the game, uh, I will not discuss like broadly like everything because we, we don't have time, but something that I initially treated with um, Seth Partnow, recently uh, hired by The Athletic, mm-hmm. is great, so you should read it. Work for the Bucks. About... Yeah about the shots that you don't take this will sound stupid and and weird but many times the best defense of a shot is don't allow your opponent to take that shot and you really you can really look at the defender when the defender is in time when the defender um closes the gap while running through screens and doesn't allow a clean catch or does a little thing like putting an arm on you or being um, raised the the right arm then it's hard for you to take a shot Mm -hmm. and that is a is a a part of a defense that i think one way or another in the future we can we can we will put into numbers um and the main deal is you can look to that uh, for that when you watch games you can see under Oberson sliding through a screen and don't allow a clean catch uh, to Antetokounmpo and that doesn't lead to a shot it leads maybe another extra pass or a pass outside and that part I think is one of the most nebulous and 
I think it's one of the most interesting, at least to me. I I'm keeping going at it, uh, but I up to now I didn't have enough to write an article or to put everything into numbers. Mm -hmm. But I hope in the future that that will be described in a better way. Sure. To me, it's so much of are you sticking to the defensive game plan and what it is? Because I think we've seen through the years, um, and I'm not trying to trash Russell, but Russell Westbrook found himself out of position many times looking to kind of freelance. And Mm -hmm. to me, if you're doing that, you can make some outstanding plays. And if you've got that athletic ability, you can make some big-time highlight plays and game-changing plays. But throughout the course of a season, throughout the course of a game, when you're doing that constantly, you're hurting your team. And you're asking the guys behind you and the wings and the center to cover for you more than they really should have to. And so sticking to the game plan with with regards to – and and honestly, it depends on who you're guarding. And this kind of goes to, like, Russell as well. I mean, the Blazers guarded Russell Westbrook about as perfectly as you could in that series. And it was – the assignment is lay off him and don't let him get to the rim. And if he does, you need to have a body there. You need to be there. And yeah. they did a great job with that. They left him wide open on the perimeter up to about you know, 16, 17 feet, 15 feet. And they let him shoot it. And that was the assignment. And it really just depends. Like, Are you guarding the opponent the way the, that you're assigned to? And that's a, it's kind of a – that's why this is kind of nebulous because it's not a every single player, every single guard should be guarded like this. It's – it just depends on who it is. Like you're guarding yeah. Rajon Rondo, you're guarding Russell Westbrook, you're guarding Lonzo Ball. Like you're not going to guard them the same way you guard Dame and the same way that you guard uh, Steph Curry. Like those guys, you got to stick with them and you got to run through these screens with them and you've got to make sure that you're going over the screen to catch them. But there's a lot of guys. Rubio, you're going to go under. You're going to go under the screen every time. And so it it's complicated like it's way more complicated than even meets the eye um initially with guard defense it's an important aspect and i think it is it's hard to know like are, are they doing the right things well what's the assignment tonight is kind of yeah it's kind of what it is because there's so many guards that play so many different ways there is another very nebulous aspect uh that i well, i want to quickly touch on it's the defense on the pick and roll like, many times, when you watch pick and roll, you say, wow, they, they, they blew it up. It's Steven's fault. Maybe so. Sometimes it's the big's fault. But sometimes the big is the one who calls the coverage. Mm-hmm. And say that you put your body in a, to such an angle to allow just a left hand to a certain player who loves to go on, on his right and then shoot out of it. And the guard goes on the other, on the other part of the pick and roll. So basically... It blows the read. You call something and the guard doesn't do whatever he's supposed to. It goes in the other direction or it doesn't close with the right angle. That completely disrupts the pick and roll defense and it makes it makes it look horrible for the big man. But it is a, is a combination. That's why I think for two years in a row, the pick and roll defense of OKC, when 
the game matter was not good without Ander Robertson because the synergy between Steven Adams and Ander Robertson was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was never a mistake. The coverage was always called and executed in the same way, in the correct way. Mm-hmm. Plus, Dre was great at doing it because he's long and he can cover ground. But that part of the defense, like the ability to be in sync between the guard and the and the big man when you cover a pick and roll, it's it's extremely important and it's very easy to to uh, to to disrupt basically. Yeah, no, that makes total sense, and that's I mean that's that's why the Thunder defense dropped off like it did. Uh, because no matter what the scheme is, like if you have two guys that are communicating and have that synergy like you talked about and they know exactly where each other need to be, you're going to be, you have like a, a floor established that's pretty high for your yeah. defense. And exactly. when that's gone, like they still have really great athletic players. Like, you know, you had Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Terrence Ferguson, all extremely high level athletes that have good defensive instincts. But you have a low, much lower floor for those guys because they don't have quite the same synergy with Steven. And Steven's yeah. having to cover for a lot more and having to do a lot more things. But really, and also you break it down, like their main assignments, Steven Adams and Andre Robertson, was defense. Like Those were their, yeah. like a majority of their assignment for the game. And if they score, cool. Like That's great. Like They're both going to have double-digit scoring nights, Steven more so than, than Andre. But their main assignments, like, we're going to stop these guys. And we're yep. going to help you guys do that. And you lose that guy, and then you ask a 20-year-old to take <laughs> to take the place of Dre. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to quite be there. Uh, and that's just, that's just the nature of it. And that's what is kind of exciting about Dre coming back. Someone asked, and I, I'll see if I can give you credit here in a second, about, you know, what should we expect from Andre? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that we should really expect a whole lot. But if, if Dre can play at anywhere close to the level that he was before, one, I think he should start. And two, like you get that floor of a defense back. Like you have a yeah. raised floor of, okay, the Thunder are going to be a top 10 defense, even with Danilo Gallinari at the four. You know, they're going to be a top 10 defense, especially because you add a guard in Chris Paul who's a really smart defender, a guy who's doesn't really get out of position a whole lot and Shea who's also a good defender like the Thunder defense could actually be really good and I wouldn't count on it if Dre's not there like if they're starting Terrence instead like I think they'll be pretty good I think they'll be top half of the league in defense if Dre's back at any like 80 90 percent like they could be a top five defense like and that could be legit and that he could help them we've talked about how rough this uh you know beginning of October and November and the first part of December is if Dre's there and he's playing well this team like I think the Thunder could surprise some people and that's like the addition of SGA and his his progress I think uh, Chris Paul establishes a higher floor for your team as well and then Andre Robertson like if he can be another piece of that I think people would be like oh like yeah we know the Thunder aren't going to be as good and they don't have as many stars but like, this is a solid team that actually has some pretty decent depth, and that yep. that could be a reality. And Andre is a to me is a massive part of it because you look back at the team like the 2016 team, 2017 team, especially in the 2017 team, he was the second best guy in the playoffs for them. 
and it yeah. wasn't even that close. Yeah, scoring wise, even. <laughs> he was, and I think people forget how important he is. Yeah. When you think about Dre, you think about oh, he's a great defender, and he can't shoot it, and that's and that's who he is. Like no, like he actually does a lot for them. And yeah. we may even be talking differently about Carmelo Anthony if Andre Robertson stayed healthy that season. Like that could yeah. that could be a reality. Where do you remember the flow of that team in the first half of the game against Detroit? Detroit was not a bad team. I still remember the feeling. Like I was in awe. I mean, you can saw you can see them playing in a flow. Everything was natural. Mm-hmm. Carmelo was taking 10, 12 shots a game. Uh Ander was cutting perfectly. And they were destroying, completely destroying Detroit with their defense first. And the offense was flowing beautifully. Yep. With Ander Robertson on the, on the floor. Yep. So, I mean, it, it's... I mean, how many what-ifs OKC has related to injuries? I mean, too many. Yeah. Way too many to count. Yeah. And Dre gets lost in that. He, he yeah. really does. I think we talk a lot about Paul George's injury, but... One of the more costly injuries for the Thunder team the past two years was Dre. And I think we forget yeah. about that. And I'm, I'm hopeful for Dre that he can be better because I think that he, I mean, he obviously still has a huge place in this league if he can play. I don't know if it's on the Thunder for the future. Um, you know, we've talked about, you know, Steven being like a Nick Collison type of guy. If you could get Andre Robertson and he's at a decent level for the rest of his career, and you could probably sign him like to a three-year, $15 million deal or something like that going forward, I mean, I kind of think, why not? <laughs> why, why, yeah. would you, why would you not do that unless you've got – I mean, to me, I don't know if they have the wings there to develop that you're like, oh, my gosh, you can't stunt the development of this guy or that guy. Uh, to me, if, you're, if you want to be good in the next five years, like I think if Dre can come back and play – and his is not going to be, you know, hampered with injuries the rest of his career. And I don't know how you project that. I think that you can probably project it a little bit from how he does this year. But to me, I, he, he's a trade candidate, but he's also, I would keep an eye on, maybe this guy could help usher in a new era of Thunder basketball. I think that's that could be a thing. Yeah. And he's also a good teacher, apparently. I mean, yeah, I you can see his moves in Terrence Ferguson. Like you can see him doing the exact same things, the, the 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 angle in which he bends the knees, the way he moves around screens, those things are there, and it's not the case that Andrew Robertson is on the team, and he's doing the exact same things. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 not something uh, uncorrelated. I think there is part of jobs of Dre's jobs during his injury was to help Ferguson becoming a better defender and like the change he did in one summer Terrence I mean is is incredible so yeah I don't know about the role about how many minutes um, the injury is scary we see how Jeremy Lin is not getting anywhere a job in the NBA and so it's hard to project Hmm. Um, but I think that in some capacity having Stephen Adams and Andrew Robertson there can establish of a responsible defense uh, identity mm-hmm. in, in some sense where this is how we play defense and we have two great players setting the tone uh, I don't know if one is on the court and the other on the on the bench or 
uh, if they are both uh, playing at a high level, that I don't know. But I think that having two guys like that, that speak the same language in terms of defense is extremely important for a franchise. Yeah, I mean, let's say they get, they get past the trade deadline, they trade Chris Paul, they trade Gallinari, and they move forward with the team that they've got. And if Trey's able to go, which I understand is a big if, but if you get to play SGA, Ferguson, Robertson, Baisley, and Adams, any sort of minutes together, I think you get to find out like what these guys are really made of. And yeah. you get to establish this baseline of defense and guys that are going to teach them you're no, you're in the wrong place. No, this is what you do in this coverage. Like Steven and yeah. Andre are guys that talk all the time, and they're yes. going to be able to help those guys a lot. You take Andre away, I think Steven's still a good teacher, but if you replace him with like Diallo, which sounds more exciting because I think he's more of an unknown and he's, he's a crazy athletic player, he's got a higher ceiling as an offensive player. But to me, I, I'd rather have those guys learn and really just see, like, can they compete at a higher level on the defensive end? I think that that – I think you can do that when you have Dre and Adams. And I think that you kind of speed up their timeline a little bit as defenders when you put those guys all on the court together. I think it's, a, it's an interesting storyline. One, we may not get to see it at all. I mean, there's, a, there's yeah. a chance that Dre is just not the same guy and he is more of like an assistant type coach that makes $10 million a season. That's an extreme possibility. Yeah. But if, yeah. he, if he can get there – to me, that the idea of that is exciting, and it's and it's a way to kind of establish a brighter future a little bit faster with this team, uh, and then you can kind of plug and play a little bit more when you have guys like Ferguson and SGA uh, that can learn to play at a high level on the defensive end. So uh, I don't even know. Oh, we started talking about guard defense, but I think we kind of. It, well, it was honestly, a great question, to be honest. So, it's a I great mean, question. Yeah. Yeah. And we may have just not answered it at all for you. So there you go. Yeah, come on. We we, we, we gave like a few ideas here and there. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's hard. It's yeah. a hard thing. And it's hard. I think that it's more of like, what's the guard defense like for this particular player versus that player? Than yeah. it is like, here's, here's an overview of guard defense. I think it is. It's a really difficult topic, but... Well, and it's something that we can talk about, you know, game by game as the season goes yeah. along. And I kind of, I think Chris Paul honestly is a good is a good player to watch as far as guard defense, like what what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, things like that. So it's it'll be an interesting contrast um, with Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook because we know what we know Russell. We've watched Russell for over a decade. So um, it's, to me, it's just it's going to be such a weird season and interesting in little ways like that. Uh, next question from at Miss Cooper Loves. What lessons do you think Presti has taken from the first era of Thunder basketball, and what, if anything, do you think the organization will do differently this time? Phew! This is, this is another hard and uh, interesting question. I think that Presti really handle things in almost the perfect way mm -hmm. uh, during the first 10 years that is something that we all should take as a as like basic level uh, for this discussion i think that as i told you as i told before i said before uh injuries were the main thing where okc had issues 
Yeah, there was the Arden trade, which was something extremely complicated to discuss and probably bad uh, because how because the player Arden is right now. Um, but like, you, you don't see many mistakes. So it's hard to say, well, you should have done that differently. Um, let's talk a bit about health, which is, I think is something that Presti and his staff should consider in a, di- in a bit different way uh, going forward. And that hardened trade or, or the thing of trading a young prospect. Uh, I think that if you see the places where you can build dynasties, there are sacrifices made by the players. And you know, you see, there were sacrifices. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. Um, there was no sacrifice by Harden. And it's it's not a problem uh, in terms of he can do whatever he wants. But you cannot build a, a super team if the three best players take up to 30% of the cap. You, you just can't. No one can. And so it's hard to say it's Presti's fault. Uh, we all know how the thing with Reggie Jackson ended up being. Like Reggie was simply okay with being on the team up until he wasn't. And when he wasn't, he was not an asset anymore. It was a liability that you had to deal basically for nothing, even paying a bit for him. Um, and so it's hard to, to, un- to discuss this in terms of what should he do differently in the future, I don't know. I mean, of course, if you have a great player, you should not trade him. Trade him, great. This is something that everyone can say, but <laughs> right. things are much harder. The thing that I I think we uh, already discussed, and it's extremely interesting, is about resting pattern. Mm-hmm. Okay, see, it's not a team that implement that to a higher degree. Um, I don't think that this is something that you apply just to all players. Uh, you can apply to everyone. 82 games are tough and hard. And so applying resting patterns from the beginning, like maybe not to rookies, but whenever you sign a contract, like a big contract, like Stevens one, you should implement resting patterns because it's important. And putting a minute restriction, I don't think that's, that is something that could work. I, I'm a firm believer that that season of Russell Westbrook playing 35 minutes, his MVP season, drained him to a very high degree. It was done by the end of the season, and I don't think he recovered from that. Mm-hmm. So you have to implement those. Uh, you have to play Steven Adams and Andrew Robertson if he's back, Gallinari, Chris Paul, less. You have enough player. You have to build an identity where whoever is on the court can play the same way with different styles maybe with different um, wrinkles maybe but the same style and you should really deploy that to a higher degree yeah I think kind of and and Sam gets made fun of a lot for like the type of player that he goes after Uh, but I also think that that's a little bit of a misnomer and we've talked about that before like oh he only wants uh, athletic players that can't shoot and aren't skilled. Well, like he drafted and selected guys like that, sure. And those guys ended. The thing about it is, those were the guys that actually really worked out and like really yeah. ended up helping this team. Like Andre Robertson, 
ended up being a great player for them, and he just couldn't shoot it. Um, you know, Serge Ibaka was a guy that didn't have a really high skill level, but really helped this team. Uh, you know, Steven Adams, a guy that's really helped this team, but is not a shooter. Uh, Tavos Epelosha shot the ball well for a year or so, but honestly was not a great shooter. I mean, yeah, like, we get it. But, like, he tried with other guys. Like, he drafted Demonis Sabonis. Very yeah. skilled player. Very skilled player. Not, like, the most athletic, freaky guy. Doesn't have, like, crazy long arms or anything like that. But he wanted that guy really badly. You know, Mitch McGarry. Oh, we can get him. I know. Well, I hope they do. <laughs> I hope they do. Uh, Mitch McGarry, a guy that's not, like, an athletic freak, but, like, an elite rebounder. Very, very skilled. Just a big, big, dumb idiot. But, like, not a like prototypical Presty guy. Cameron Payne. They drafted Cameron Payne in the lottery. You know, the one year they had a lottery pick, they drafted Cameron Payne. Did not have an elite NBA body. Had a, had a what they thought was an elite skill level and just didn't didn't do well. So, yeah. I, Sam Presti, yes, he's drafted Hamadou Diallo. He's drafted, he got Dort in the draft. Yeah, great. But, like, that's not, and even Baisley. Like, Baisley is a highly skilled player and I think that with the guy with the young guys that they have established or at least that they've gotten in this in this past summer you know you think about Baisley you think about SGA both those guys have a high skill level and I think that to me something they need to do a little bit differently is try to hit on those guys and that's such a difficult thing because you don't know who's going to hit and who's going to miss I mean Sam doesn't know that like Sam Sam would like to would like to think that he does, but you don't know. Sam doesn't know. Sam didn't know. Sam knew that he was drafting three great players with Durant, Westbrook, Harden. He thought, yeah, he thought he made the right right selections. He didn't know those guys were all going to be Hall of Famers and all MVPs. Like he didn't know that, um, and he didn't know that like Kyle Singler wasn't going to work out. So it's like so difficult to say like Sam made mistakes here and there. Some of these guys just didn't work out, and some of them did. I think that he, I think Sam has done a great job of finding like the high level players and putting him out there. Obviously, like Paul George, I think that Stephen Adams ended up being a pretty high level player, and then the the core guys, the Westbrook, Harden, Durant. Like, of course, he did a great job of that. I think. And Harden was all skills. All skill, and he still is. He's all skill. Yeah. And so he Sam drafted him like no one, no one else did. Yeah, and I so I think that, that. like, yeah, can I ask a question? Yeah, like, yeah because yeah. I think it's like, can you name the best two wings in the NBA right now? Uh, is LeBron a wing? Uh, no, let uh, I me mean, not in their primes. In their primes, Giannis. Yes. And um, is well, I don't know who's the other wing. Kawhi. Oh yeah, Kawhi. Duh. Yeah. yeah. Those guys were athletic freaks. Well, Janis was even even was even not very athletic, but it, but like raw and and with length and blah blah blah, that absolutely could not shoot. Mm-hmm. So those are the guys. I mean, it's not it's not the rule, of course, but you can get guys. Some things you can teach. And so I I know that it sounds stupid, but. Yeah, if you're an athletic freak with a very, very good work ethic and with some skills, yeah, Preston should look at you. I mean, mm-hmm. I would I would look absolutely at a guy like that. If you can get, like, Steph Curry, great. 
But if you take the best, the, the top 10 players, you will see that a part are skills heavy and a part were physical freaks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it I depends mean, what you have. I mean, right. And like, that's like all, all the high level NBA guys, a majority of them are these just athletic specimens that are created. It feels like they're created in a laboratory. Like you think about LeBron James, yeah. Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron, Westbrook, like all these guys, like, it takes such a high level, and if you can see that level, at least in the draft process, like it's it makes sense. And I, I do yeah. think that the Thunder, and this has just been a thing with the Thunder since you know they've, they've been here, is that they, they could put more of an emphasis on shooting and skill level. And yeah. that's been a struggle for them, is that when, when it comes down to it, They've struggled in those de- those two departments: is shooting and skill level. They've got guys; they have their stars that that have that. They, you know, they had Kevin Durant, they had James Harden, they had Russell Westbrook, who, you know, this past year was not a great shooter, but in the past he's like been a, a good shot maker and a guy that can get you a bucket um, and a great passer, great skill level. But it's the guys, um, you know, that are put around those guys that just couldn't do a whole lot that couldn't do a whole lot with the basketball, that couldn't do a whole lot when it came to making a play down the stretch. And then they would have to rely on guys like Derek Fisher and Randy Foy had to play for this team and Karan Butler oh boy. and all these yeah. guys. You know, they just get to the end of the road and it's like, oh man, like we have to play Raymond Felton. Like, yes. What? <laughs> and so yes. to me, that's something that, and that's hard to do. I mean, they thought Kyle Singler was going to be a role player for this team. And that was just, yeah. it was a mistake. He was shooting 39% from three, yeah. like, on a good volume. And then he he pro- probably get crazy or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> right. He so, lost faith in, in his abilities, something like that. I, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. That is very weird. It's weird. And so, really finding elite role-playing guys, like, even, like, like PJ Tucker, like PJ Tucker was just out there and a gettable player, and he would yeah. have been a great piece for the Thunder to have. And yeah. he ended up on the Rockets. He ended up on these other teams. But we were talking about like Jay. I don't know how many times Jay and I put PJ Tucker in the trade machine. You know, like you can yeah. you can find those guys. Like you just have to go get them. And it was it's it was a weird era in some ways where it's like okay, like they leaned a little bit too much on player development. Like, they, they kind of hung on to, like, the Jeremy Lambs and Perry Jones guys a little bit too long. And, like, in one one sense, they held on to them too long. And in another sense, like, I don't know that they really handled those guys correctly. Um, no, especially Lamb. Lamb was kind of a byproduct of Reggie Jackson being, like, being traded yeah. uh, in the middle of the season. They were really close. He was not on board with Reggie being traded. There was something weird. Yeah. And, you know, bringing in a Karan Butler, which felt like the right move at the time, you know, like, it just did it did not work out. And it, that yeah. those moments can hurt a, a developing player. And so it's a tightrope. Yeah. It's a tightrope. Let's say, like, Karan yes. Butler hits, and he's awesome, and he helps get them to the finals. Like, you yeah. absolutely did the right thing. But, yeah. but in the moment, it's hard to know. Like, is Karan Butler going to be a guy? Like, you just, honestly, it's just, you have to make a decision. And, you know, the Thunder could be in that position down the road where it's like, okay, we can bring in a Karan Butler type of guy 
and if he hits, he's going to take us to the promised land. And if he misses, you know, we're stunting the development of Hamadou Diallo. Like, like those could be, like, real things. And it's in the moment, like, you have to make a choice and, like, go that direction. But to say, like, they definitively did the right or wrong thing, I think it's hard. It's a lot. It's, it's, it, I don't think that it's, like, there's one thing they should do differently or one way they should do it. I mean, it's, it's honestly, like, a thousand different decisions they made during that era. And, like, 200 of them may have been wrong, you know, out of a thousand. Like, they did most yeah. of the right things. And they had the injury to Russell Westbrook, you had the injury to Serge Ibaka, you had the injury to Kevin Durant that year, and you had the Clay Thompson game uh, in Game 6 that makes everything look a little bit worse than it should have been. I mean, actually yeah. a lot worse than it should have been. And, you know, Clay doesn't go off. If he misses just two of those threes, the Thunder are in the finals, they maybe win the title. I don't know if Kevin Sazer goes, whatever. Like, this era is an extreme success because Clay Thompson yeah. misses a few shots. I mean, like, they were that close. And that team yeah. was good. Like if you, like you can't truly criticize that particular team, because like they had guys, like they had a Dion Waiters that really contributed for them. They had Ennis Cantor off the bench who contributed for them. They they yeah. had guys, and yes. it just didn't work out. And then everything kind of crumbled from there. But if that team works out and they move forward and they have, they you add Victor Oladipo, Demonis Sabonis, Al Horford, like you're in great shape. You're in yeah, great would shape. You, would you forward. bet? On Clay Thompson going, whatever, what it was, like I 8 of 13, 8 of 11, I don't remember. He made 11 oh, threes in that game. Yeah, 11 sure. of 14 then. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the percentage that Clay shot, would you bet on that or on Kevin Durant going like 40% from the field? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, it's that. Like, and, that's, it's that. That, that, and that wasn't don't, Sam Preston's decision. Let's not that. I'm in vacation. I should be happy not talking about game six of the, of the 2016 um, Western Conference Finals. I just think that when you look at whenever you criticize Sam Presti, like you have to go to those moments and say, like, like Sam put them in the, in the position to be that team. And yeah. had they had their chance, and it honestly, it was up to Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook to deliver it, and they just didn't deliver it. And that's it. Yes. You know, that's for, it. for that season, <laughs> that was it. It wasn't Sam. There's Sure, Sam has made mistakes in the past. Of course he has. Every single GM has made mistakes. Like, go look at everybody's record. No one no one has a clean record. Um, but any, like, anyways, it's, it's – I know. It's, there's just so much to it. Uh, speaking of clean – you guys should check out KP's Cleaning Service. They are a small business here in Oklahoma. They are servicing Oklahoma City metro area homes and, and the surrounding areas as well. They're dedicated to giving a client, giving clients a unique cleaning experience. And I know that from my own experience. They have cleaned my house, and they've done a spectacular job. It stayed clean for so long. I have three boys at my house, including myself, and... They just did a spectacular job cleaning our home. And so you need to call them right now. Uh, you can call them at 405-290-8172 and schedule your cleaning with them. They'll do a first-time deep clean that will just blow your mind that you didn't even know your house could get that clean. And then they'll do um, weekly or bi-weekly cleanings for you. You can go see their Facebook page or Instagram page. It's KP's Cleaning Services. Or give them a call or a text, because we're all much more comfortable sending texts than we are calling people on the phone. 
405-290-8172. That's KP's Cleaning Services. Okay, Michele, uh, one more topic, and then we'll let you go. Uh, let's talk about the draft, the NBA draft. We, in particular, love the NBA draft. We love uh, you know, scouting players and things like that. But let's talk about our, our process, because uh, we had a question about what, what is your process uh, and how do you guys arrive at your conclusions? And so let's let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So first of all, we and I think I can speak for both. We don't have the time uh, and or the possibility to go and watch players since they are high schooler or maybe around that age, like 14, 15, and to look hours and hours and hours of films. Uh, while they are growing up. So we need to concentrate in four months and getting a very clear idea of the player. Sometimes that process is goes bad because in like a hundred of clips you cannot see the player and sometimes uh, it works. But basically what I do is I take the best players, um, like top 40, that Sam Vecini and Mike Schmitz have in their boards, and I start to look at them in random order because you don't want to watch all the bad, all the the top players and then the bad. Like you have to 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 mix it up. Uh, of course, I can get access to Synergy, which makes things extremely easy because you can go there and have uh, all the clips there, all the stats. You can even download, and so. It's very, very useful. It costs a lot of money, uh, and and it's it's not for the public, so it's it's hard to get. Uh, but there are ways to watch um, prospects even if, even without synergy. Um, but and when I didn't have that, I used to watch four games of each player that I want to they want to analyze and in three four games you can really get an idea especially if you look at things like if you want to watch um to 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 basically scout a shooter focus on how he uses his feet focus on the release and focus on the consistency of his motion like the like don't don't look at anything else if you want to look at the rebounder look at the box out Look at, at where he plays himself. Look if he chases and or he doesn't chase rebounds. So there are things for each role and for each type of player that you can isolate and you will get an idea. Then you look into numbers and you see either something that confirms your first opinion or not. And in the end, just in the end, when you, you have your own idea, you read, you read others' ideas. And again, Sam Vecini, uh, CLNS Media, uh, and The Athletic, or Mike Schmitz of ESPN, former Drops Express analyst, are the best in the business. If you want to understand how teams look at that kind of player, then read also Givoni, who is the one who has all the whispers of agents, scouts, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Those are the three names. There are many others. The Stepien, um, and like you can go on Twitter and find a lot of good good analysts. I stick with those two and Gibboni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
mean, that lays it out. I, I also lean on a guy named uh, Michele Barra a lot when it comes to draft stuff. Um, oh, Lorenzo Neri is great. My yeah. friend. Yeah, you yeah, should yeah. follow him on Twitter. He he knows. He watched, like, probably 10 to 15 games for each player mm-hmm. because he does some scouting work for European teams. And so he doesn't really focus on top-level player for work. But since he's watching, basically... All the players he watch also those, and so yeah, he knows a bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sorry for interrupting you. No, no, uh, it's it's really difficult. <laughs> the draft stuff is really difficult, and I think to me, it's great to see like what these guys can do, and I think it's also great. That's what synergy is great for is seeing what they don't do well, or where where do they make mistakes, and where where are their weaknesses. And I think those are just as important as knowing the players' strengths. And what they mm-hmm. can and can't yes. see, uh, and then you just have to know the NBA game. You have to know like where is the game headed? What kind of players are the most valuable type of guys? And that's where you like question teams, you know, taking bigger guys toward the front of the draft. And you think like, why, why did Nikhil Alexander Walker fall so far? Like that could have, should have been a, probably a top ten type of pick if if we're picking. Yeah. And we. You know, we love Derek White and guys like that because he was like a multi-skill level guard. Uh, same with Donovan Mitchell. Like, I think there's a, a trend with all of those guys that we really liked in the draft process and thought, like, why wouldn't you take this guy at this at a higher spot? Because it's like a, a guard that can create and, and do all these different things. And, you know, those are the kind of guys I think that we probably gravitate toward and, and guys that are really helpful in this league. Uh, but you know, teams have the ones that OKC since Harden doesn't have, basically. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> the ones the... we craved every single season. Yeah, I mean, those are kind of Harden-esque guys. I mean, they're obviously not yeah. as good as Harden, but guards no. that can do a lot of different things. Like those are valuable players. Um, but you know, we we love the draft and we like to to put the effort into those podcasts. And McKelly does a lot more work than I do on them. Um, but yeah, Sam Vecini is probably my, my favorite guy because he really, really puts the work in on the draft yeah. more than probably just about anyone. Schmitz is another one that puts the work in, but he's his work is going more toward like doing television and stuff like that where you don't probably have as much time as a guy like Vecini yeah. does. He travels a lot. He, he probably has a better grasp than Sam in uh, European players sure. because he really travels. He's in Europe. I, I don't know, 10, 20 times a year yeah. just to watch tournaments. Um, well, Sam, I think, is way more ahead of the curve in terms of AAU. Uh, he's in LA, so he can he goes into pickup games. He watches AAU games. He, he, uh, like, those two are different, but I think that the, the quality of their analysis, of their analysis is, is the best in the NBA mm. by far. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, that question came from at Josh underscore Morrison, who is uh, just a great listener, a great follower of Down to Dunk, and we appreciate uh, Josh a lot. So, uh, okay, I think that's it. Michele, we'll let you go back to your family, hang out on the beach, uh, and I will go back to work. So thanks for listening to today's show. You can follow Michele on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Please leave us a five-star iTunes review if you've got a chance. If you've got an iPhone, it's easy. Click on the Purple Podcast app, search down to dunk, hit five stars, boom. You have done something to help us today. So do that. 
Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday with Alex Spears.